Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's shear. Thank you for coming here tonight. It's going to be shear number 56. And thank you again for coming. I want to really thank again all the viewers. Everybody comes every week for letting uh, their friends and family know about it and posting on their WhatsApp statuses, emailing people about it. It's really growing, Baruch Hashem, and uh, very thankful for that. And uh, we have a lot of big shirim coming up, and we have a massive lineup. For all those who are watching the replay of this on YouTube, please click on the like button so you can get all Menachem Shirim and subscribe to this channel. And Hashem, every week when the share comes out, you get notified about it. I want to start off first with thanking all of our advertising sponsors who promote us on all the digital platforms, the Lakewood Scoop here on Lakewood. I want to give a special thank you to Ravi and Yaniv and Chazak. Chazak offers program for all. I really appreciate always the, their support. And a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN for always promoting us across all the di Jewish digital platforms. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, this shares every Sunday night. We're doing this already for Menachem, how long? I lost count. <laughs> for a long time, Baruch Hashem, for over a year. And we started in March last year. And uh, it's the same, same Zoom ID every week at 10 o'clock. And we talk about a lot of different topics. So please tell people to join. Um, let's put on the phone. I'm just going to make two share screen. Right. Okay, so we have two uh, updating things people keep on asking. We have a share. Um, we're part of a series with Rabbi Waiwai, Life After Divorce. It's divorce series. We had the, the first share last Sunday, and the rest of the share will be on Thursdays. This Thursday will be part two with Rabbi Waiwai. So if you know anybody who's in this part show who has been divorced or anything, please tell them to join. It's been an extremely powerful share, and please tell them to join. Next Sunday, 6-6, Rabbi Arna Fried is working on... Uh, Confirming, we're working on a few different guests. We don't, we didn't lock it down yet because of uh, certain timing issues. But Matshem is going to be an amazing share. And if it's not going to be an amazing share, please call Arnaud Fried and complain to him because it's all his fault. Okay, tonight we have the discussion of having Chashver of Daniel Gladstein, one of the most sought-out speakers out there, and we really appreciate him coming here. The Rav of Kihilas Tveris Mordechai in Cedars, New York. We'll get them in a minute. And let's start off first with opening, opening statements from our hosts. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was fast. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to tonight's Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem, number 56, Baruch Hashem. And I must say, the more topics you put on the table, the feedback that we're getting is really unbelievable, especially after last, the series that we started, Life After Divorce, which there's a, a lot of controversial back and forth with lawyers and uh, Besden, and uh, I guess we need to continue amidst Hashem. The past few weeks, we we had topics that, that were more specific for different areas, but tonight's amidst Hashem, tonight's topic, um, bringing Hashem back into our Avod I believe, is a topic that's for all of us, all of us Eden. And this is really what we're, this, this whole Zoom program, Yidna um, um, trying to grow, trying to become closer, to be connected, to know right from wrong. Am I doing things right or not? Why do I feel this way? Do I have to do things different? Which Mitch Hashem, uh, hopefully tonight, we'll get a little bit of clarity. But many of us have been basically born in the system. You know, people are bored of hearing the word in the system, system, from, from birth. But Baruch Hashem, today's Dara, we Baruch Hashem have Torah, we have Avoida, Shuls, learning. This, you could really, really look at the positive side, Baruch Hashem. And Hashem should help us to continue, to continue to give us the bracha that we have. We should be able to continue with the davening and the learning and uh, the Yiddishkeit that we have today's days. However, there's always that small piece on the side that it can become a lamada. 
if this is what we do, it's part of our social norm. It's part of what I do. I daven three times a day and uh, I go to Seder. Obviously, why should I be different than everybody else? And after a while, what I'm doing is really, is it personal? Is it something that I'm doing because of myself or it's I'm doing because of everybody else? And these questions are, could be a little bit controversial. And many people, when they start feeling uh, these feelings of, am I connected or not? They don't want to talk about it because who knows where it's going to take them and they might not have the right guidance, which is very important. And they push it on the side and continue. The question is how long it could last. But if we have somewhere where we can go, if we have someone we can talk to and um, really s slow down and see what am I doing? I am doing the things, you know, I am doing the rights and I'm doing like everybody else. And I look from like everybody else, but inside, what am I missing? Am I missing anything? What can I change? It could be small things. Um, should I start uh, davening uh, four times a day? <laughs> but again, I'm not saying to do anything different, but just to become aware and to have, um, to, to have where to talk to, who to talk to about it. So tonight, Baruch Hashem, we have this chos. Have with us Abdaniel Gladstein, who uh, I've had the feedback. Just um, people that listen to him, it's really unbelievable of the the vast knowledge. And uh, hopefully, Mitzvahem will be able to get a little bit of uh, an idea. And for those who want to continue, Mitzvahem can always reach out to. For those who do do want to ask those questions, who are ready to reach out to Abdaniel. So thank you very much for being with us tonight. And Amit Hashem should be a lot of Siyat HaDishmaya. Beautiful, beautiful opening. Amen. Thank Let's you. start off first with tonight's uh, sponsor. Tonight, tonight is Sheer Sponsored by Recovery at the Crossroads. Recovery at the Crossroads is the only kosher inpatient treatment center in the tri-state area. They're a licensed co-occurring treatment center facility, which means they're licensed not only to treat substance abuse, but they have other underlying mental conditions such as anxiety, depression, and trauma. They've been around for 15 plus years and have helped many from families and put tremendous effort in working <clears> with <throat> families. If anyone you know is struggling with addiction, feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950. We're actually very good friends with them and um, they're amazing people. Menachem, where are they located? I thought they're in Florida. They're in China. They're in the tri-state area <laughs> and they do amazing stuff. We're actually working on a very big program with them uh, to talk about. We've done it once before. We're doing it a little bit of a different event. Addiction, we're putting it together. I'm sure the show will come out and we will uh, get to that. And I'm going to get to Daniel Gladstein. I'm going to read Daniel. I'm going to read your bio and everything I messed up, just fix up, okay? Whatever you say, we'll make it work. Okay, we have Choshen Reb Daniel Gladstein Shlita. He's an American Orthodox Rav, public speaker, author, prolific researcher, public rabbi, teacher, global following, one of the most popular English-speaking Torah lectures in the contemporary Jewish landscape. The Rav was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and now resides in Five Town, Cedarhurst, New York, with his family, where he further continues his research, writing, teaching to the masses, to his klal. He's the Rav of Kihilas Teferis Mordechai. You could check out Rabbi Galatzin's many shiurim. It's, six, I think, 6,300 on Torah anytime. He also has on the OU website. He's on Shas Illuminated on the podcast. He has his own website, rabbidg.com. Not DJ, right? Rabbidg.com. <laughs> and Rabbi Galatzin has three sfarim, Lashon Kodesh, Magad Rekia, talking about Pesach and Purim, the Kodesh of Meah Aneni, and Hashem loves, Hashem's love for Klai Yisrael. Two books with Art Scroll. Third book is coming out imminently. 
He's going to be talking about Tishabov and the Holocaust. It's going to be called The Darkness and From the Dawn. Daniel, please uh, open up also. When you open up, please give us a little bit about what you're working on and different things because people are very interested. You're doing so much stuff. So, Daniel, the floor is yours. Okay. <clears throat> Ravasha, thank you so much for the warm introduction. Rishos Coach Menachem, Noyach, and uh, I'm very humbled and overwhelmed to see such a vast oilam, such a chashva oilam, and uh, the zchus of getting together to speak about uh, important inyanim that are relevant to all of our lives. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us all siyata deshmaya to, to elevate ourselves in all areas of avodas uh, Hashem, uh, areas of shalom bayis and chinuch habonim and, and everything that we're, we're trying to work on together. Uh, the, the topic tonight was uh, putting Hashem back into Avodah Hashem. So I was driving uh, with my daughter back from Avart. I told her, you know, uh, tonight I'm sitting about putting Hashem back into Avodah Hashem. So she, she says, Daddy, well, what do you mean putting Hashem back into Avodah Hashem? What exactly is it if, what is Avodah Hashem without Hashem? What are you doing exactly? And, you know, that's really the point that we're going to speak about tonight. Um, I think... The, the main question that many wonder about and, and really what prompted tonight's session is that many people feel that they, they, they do what they need to do. You know, they, they learn every day, they daven, they keep Shabbos, you know, we're all yeshiva educated. Many of us maybe even learned in Koilel and so forth, and we continue to learn in, uh, you know, in a high level. And yet there seems to be something perhaps missing, lacking, uh, to the way people express it is, I don't feel connected. You know, that, that seems to be the, the catchphrase. I don't feel connected. So that's what we want to speak about a little bit tonight. I don't feel connected. I, I wasn't even planning on speaking on the, uh, about this detail, but I think this is just fundamental. Even before we get started, what do you mean we don't feel connected? What exactly are we supposed to feel? We need to first identify what should we be feeling and are we not feeling, what are we not feeling? So it all starts with one basic question. And I think this is the crux really that could uh, sum up any of these sessions is that in contemporary Jewish life today, we have to answer the following question. Is our Avodah Hashem a manner of connecting to the creator of the universe or is it basically just social pressure? If it's social pressure, then our davening will basically be unfortunately absolutely meaningless our learning will not have any significance. Our Shmiras HaMitzvahs won't really be accomplishing much because we're not really serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're just sort of going with the flow. And many of us, if not all of us, do get caught up in this type of idea that we're basically following what other people are doing. And then our Avodah loses a lot of its intrinsic meaning. And, and, the way to put ourselves back on track really is like the Ramchal, the Masil Sushan tells us in the opening of the book. You know, what is life all about? HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us here for a very short amount of time to accomplish certain tasks, to be able to gain Olam Haba. That's really what it's all about. I mean, that's, that's the sum of it. That's the, uh, in short, Rebani Shalom placed us in a hallway to do what we need to do to be able to be nana mizavashchina, to bask in the glory of Hashem's presence. That's what life is all about, to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the question is, can a person really feel close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world? Is that a realistic uh, goal? Is that a realistic ambition? 
do people feel close to Hashem? Do the big tzaddikim really feel close to Hashem? And really the analogy, the best analogy to give, I believe, is if you stick your hand in an oven, it's going to hurt. It's very painful. A raw hand in uh, 450 degrees, you're going to burn yourself. It's very painful. It's uh, blistering pain. But nobody does that. People are smart enough. They put on uh, the, the glove. You put on the oven glove and you stick your hand in the oven to take out the, the chicken or the potato kugel. And when you're sticking your hand in the oven and your hand's already in the glove, you're not, your hand is not going to feel, is not going to get burnt. It won't even feel hot. It will feel a little bit warm. Now, it's not going to feel the same as when you put it in the freezer. You're going to feel like your hand is in an oven, but 95, 99% of the heat, you're not going to feel because there is this barrier between you and the heat. That's basically what this world is about. Because the neshama, if the neshama would ever be in direct contact with the creator, it would be such an intense, raw experience that uh, it would be so powerful, whether it would be the reward of Olam Haba or Lehepach uh, or the opposite. But the Yibam put a glove on our neshama and the glove is the guf, that's the body. So in this world, even if you do a mitzvah and you daven and you learn, the neshama will not feel the raw joy and sensation of being mizdabek ta'kadosh baruch and the neshama may not feel the raw pain of distance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu because you have the guf, you have the body that is a separation between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But there is no question that when a person does serve Hashem properly, there's a certain warmth, there is an element of the vekas, there's a certain intuition and feeling that you do feel close to Hashem. It's not this overwhelming ecstasy. Even great tzaddikim, maybe, you know, of yesteryear, would be able to feel that intense Devekas Hashem. But today, we're all Basar Vadam. The extent of our connection feeling, Ta'kadosh Baruch Hu, is limited because we live in Olam Azah. That's the reality of this world. However, if a person is serving Hashem properly, there is an element, an aspect of pleasantness, sweetness, happiness, inner peace that a person should feel by serving Hashem. And I think the question is, why, why am I not even feeling that? Why don't I feel any connection whatsoever? What's with my learning? I learn, I learn an hour a day. I learn Dafyoimi, I learn Mishnah Bura, perhaps even. But I seem to have this mm, disconnect to HaKadosh Baruch. I'm not feeling even that warmth and that happiness and that inner peace that should come with Avodah Hashem. So I would humbly suggest that I think there are three primary uh, impediments that could interfere with the uh, connection. I remember uh, when COVID broke out, <clears throat> so I used to give shiur malat uh, in Queens, in uh, Agra de Perica and other shuls and, and different places in the tri-state area. And then when COVID broke out, so I was uh, severely limited. I, I was basically sitting in my office all day over here and I was on Zoom, Zoom here, Zoom there. I in certain ways, I had many more opportunities because I had Zoom classes to South Africa and to London and other places. And when I first started, I was basically, I hope it's okay, I was on Wi-Fi. I was on Wi-Fi. And uh, when I was on Wi-Fi, so I was giving a share to South Africa. And um, all of a sudden in the middle, I was like, 
I froze, right? And and I'm talking, but I'm looking at the screen and I'm not moving. And basically, you know, it said your in connect, internet connection is unstable. So what happened? So basically, uh, and then the shear basically dropped out like seven minutes early. And then people said it was a good shear, but uh, you know, we missed the punchline because your internet internet connection was unstable. So basically, what I did early on in Zoom is I called my electrician. I said to my electrician, "Look, I'm I'm a magid shear. I live off the Zoom. I need I cannot be soimich on Wi-Fi because you never know. It's stable. It's unstable. It's steady. It's unsteady. I need a way to plug the computer straight into the router." So he said, look, you know, your router's down in the basement. Your office is on the first floor. I said, do what you got to do. So he basically ran a wire from the basement to my office. And now I could be on Coach Menachem and Baruch Hashem, there are Kenai Nahara, you know, a few hundred people. And uh, so far, so good. Bliyayin Hara, you know, the, the service is pretty steady because I'm plugged right into the router. Now, this is not like a very spiritual connection to my router. This is not... a this is not a feeling I have. I don't feel connected to my router. Oh, I'm feeling very close to you people in Lakewood tonight. I don't really have too many feelings about you. I, I love all Jews, but I'm not, I'm not feeling anything toward you. Most of you people are hiding behind some telephone number. Okay, Chaim Zeman, how you doing? I see you. I see your picture. I know your picture. I see some other people, some other friends. But I'm not feeling anything. I did it right. I'm plugged into the router. It's not a matter of how I feel or I don't feel. You know why I'm connected? Because I fulfilled the technical requirements of being plugged right into the, the router. And I think this is point number one. Point number one is, enough with your touchy-feely, fuzzy feelings. You know, you want to be connected? You need to be plugged in, and it has to be plugged in correctly. Which means you have to have the right outlet, and you have to have the right plug. You have to make sure your, elect your electricity is wired correctly. And if you meet the technical requirements, regardless of how warm, fuzzy, cold you feel, you will be plugged in. And if you're not, if you didn't get the right electrician and your wiring is off kilter, you're not gonna be plugged in. So let me give you a few innocuous examples. You know, if you tell me I asked my Paisik in Lakewood and he has a different shita, no problem, but la daiti, Definitely. I'm Basi Rakla I'm just going to point out a few things. I learned in Yeshiva, in my Yeshiva, we follow the Mishnah Brura. If you follow other Paiskim, Gazunta Hait, you follow your Paiskim. Let me just be Ma'ira a few things and maybe it will uh, cause us to think. For example, I know, you know, one of the big questions I dab in three times a day with a minion and I don't feel connected. Rabid, the Mechilas Kvait Chaharama. You say you daven three times a day with a minion. Really? You daven three times a day with a minion? When was the last time you said the hope suket is enough? <laughs> the hope suket is zero. I'm a carpool, a babysitter. I, uh, and by the time I get there, they daven so fast. So I end up saying the first hallelujah and the last hallelujah. And I give tzedakah by Varech by var Dovin. Avad, I say pitamak toiras. But the, the, the hope, the hope suket is zero. The last time I said it was in. Uh, and when I was in elementary school in Tartamima in fourth grade, that was the last time I said the whole psuke that. Rabir, you know what psuke de Zimra is? Mishnah Bruce says psuke de Zimra. You're being mezamer the aritzim. You're cutting down the interference from those forces that interfere with uh, um, with your tefillah. We're going to get to the lip service, yeah? So here it is. The guy said, I don't feel connected. 
That's because, you know, the same way I wasn't getting Wi-Fi service because my office is built on a concrete slab. So the Wi-Fi doesn't penetrate the concrete slab. But when you're plugged right into the round, so Psuke de Zimra cuts down all of the interference that tries to cut off your connection to HaKadosh Baruch. So the first thing is, do we say the whole Pesukism? Yeah, I say the whole Pesukism. I don't miss the Pesukism. I say the whole Karbanis also. But here's another Zach. You know, I, I, I'm sorry to say this, but, you know, according to the Mishnah Bura, let's say somebody comes to davening, Chlei's davening 7.30 and they come 7.34 and they're catching up so that when the when the Tzibor is starting Shemana Esrei, they're still up to Ezra And basically, they're starting Shemana Esrei when everyone You know, according to the Mishabru, you didn't dine with the minion. So you say, I hold like this place, like I like that. Really? You do? You hold like that place? Like? So the first thing I want you to do is identify which place like you hold like. Could be you hold like that place. Like. But I think the Mishabru is. Uh, a normative approach in halacha that one should have an ambition to try to follow, that means the chachila, a yid, should make sure to get to davening in a way that they could start. According to Mishabur, start means mamish right away, biyachad, with the tzibur. So here it could be somebody could be learning Gemara, Shitoisvis, Rishayinam Achoyinam the whole day. But come to think of it, they haven't davened with the minion in like four and a half years. So that's something to think about. Am I really, if in order to feel connected, you got to be plugged in. And in order to be plugged in, you got to be following the rules. And there's certain rules and regulations. You know, the Shulchan Aruch says, when we start Shema Esrei, you should be mechavin keneged based kodesh hakadoshim. Now, I believe that this is the most misunderstood halacha. You should be mechavin. I think most people think that means you should face the kodesh hakadoshim. But that's not what it means. Because the Mechab already said you should, fa- you should face Yerushalayim. Mechavin Kenegah Beis Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Mishabruah says mean, you should imagine yourself standing in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Oh, really? I never knew that. So it's a simple halacha in Shulchan Aruch. So if you, we would fulfill just basic halacha in terms of completing the, the Pesukah the Zimra, starting the Shema Esri in time, it basically changes your whole morning because that means got to be up at a certain time, really got to be in the shul to have your talis and fill it on before they start the brachas. Otherwise, the whole the whole davening is a race. So in order to start Shemona Esrei, you're there early. You start the Shemona Esrei in a mindset that you're in the Holy of Holies. How can you not be connected? What do you mean you're not? Of course, you're, you are connected. There's nothing to, of course you're connected. By the way, you know, you know the Tshuva Sarajva. The, Ra- the Rajva says, I hope it's okay. I'm saying, I'm saying simple things, but it's going to sound controversial. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're going you're gonna to wash your hands twice before you start davening. You know that. First thing you, you do, you wash your, you wash Negevasar. Three times, four times is better. Are you allowed to go Dalit Amos? You ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Okay, so whatever. The whole bias is Dalit Amos. You'll ask your personal placek whether you could be Samech on that. But you wash Negevasa. Then you get up, you go, you take care of your needs, you get dressed. By the time you're ready for davening, your hands are dirty again. So you have to wash again and you make Al-Natil Sidaim. So why am I making Al-Natil Sidaim? I, I, I'm not eating bread. Not eating bread. You're not to eat before davening. That's another thing. You know, uh, I don't feel connected. 
you don't feel good at that. You have to make sure that you're going into davening properly. Yeah, when I was in yeshiva, I was always makvid. I didn't eat anything before davening. But nowadays, I'm amish a masuka, and I have to have a whole. I don't know, is that, you know, are you really such a choyla that that's also something to think about? According to the Rambam, it might be a dairaisa. These are all prerequisites for davening. These are basic halachos. These are not touchy-feely. These are just basic manners of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the basic halacha. Now, so back to the Mtil Sidaim. You're washing your hands in Mtil Sidaim. Why in the world are you washing Mtil Sidaim? You're not making Hamlaitzi. So the Rajba says, because in the morning, the same way a Koyhen would wash his hands from the Kiar, so too, before we do our Avoida, we wash our hands. Wait a second, but I'm not a Koyhen. Why, why am I washing my hands? And it says, the same way when I say my Shemona Esrei, I'm in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it's not just when I get up to Shemona Esrei, I'm jumping into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. You know, Rabbi Yaakov Emden and his Siddur, Rabbi Schwab and his Siddur, explains how the whole davening is a progression through the base Hamikdash. The 15 brachas, each bracha, you're going up one of the steps of the Azara. And then the Shar Ha'ulam is Baruch Sha'amar, and the Shar Ha'ichal is Yishtabach, and the chains coming down are the are the various ways that Psuke de Zimra, one para connects to the next. And the, the Menorah, the Shulchan is Yoytzer Aru Varechoshech, and the Menorah is Avarab or Avas Oilam, and the, and the uh, Mizbeach in the middle is Kriya Shema, and the Paroiches is Goal Yisrael. We mean, not connected. It's, it's, it's a simple matter of education. I'll give you a bad analogy. I know in Lakewood, nobody follows sports. But in where I come from, in my part of the world, there are some people, there's something called Major League Baseball. I know you don't know about it, and I hope it's okay if I speak about it for one minute. So you have, you have two guys, two yeshiva guys, they love the Yankees, they love baseball, they're watching the game, and the pitcher standing there for a minute and a half, and they're mamish and raptured as the pitcher going to throw a curveball, a fastball, and some guy, mamish orangutan in his learning, he comes by and he says, what do you want? What, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you, what's going on? It's two strikes. It's the bottom of the ninth. There's a runner on first and third. The guy at first, he might steal second. And then the catcher might throw. And then the guy in third might run home. And then the guy in second doesn't have a good arm. And the guy says, I don't know. You're to- I don't understand what you're doing. I don't- what are you wasting your time? But these Bachrim, they've been studying the game for 17 years. They know every single player in Major League Baseball. They understand all of the pitches in this pitcher's repertoire. They understand the ramifications of a strike and a ball and an out and a hit and a double. And they have, they have so much knowledge that because of that knowledge, they are so orangutan in the game. Yeah, because of what they know, therefore they feel connected. It's the same thing with davening. If you don't know the guidelines, you don't know the laws, if you don't know what to think when you start Shemana Esrei, I am now entering the Kodesh HaKadoshim. If you don't know, Baruch Sha'amar is the opening of the Heichal, Yishtabach is the opening of another part of the Mikdash, that each bracha corresponds to a different Kli, I don't feel connected. No kidding, pal, because you're opening up your Siddur and you're going like that. How are you supposed to feel connected? You have no clue what you're doing. It's not a matter of emotion and feeling. You just don't know. And yeah, a person can be very knowledgeable and he can learn Gemara Rashi Toysis, but for whatever reason, the Gemara 
Rashi and Tosis teaches you how to think and how to learn and how to approach, but then you have to take those skills and learn about the various. Um, Ashi wants to go to questions and answers. He said it's nice, Joshua, but uh, you know, one second, I'm just getting going. Give me a couple of minutes, and and if if you learn what you're doing, then you will feel connected. It's not like this automatic thing. You shake your hands up and down three times. You roll your eyes to the back of your head, get a guy with a guitar, and then you feel connected. That's not going to make you feel any more and, uh, and or less connected. It's about knowledge. It's about knowing the technicalities. Very glad. Sorry, I'll mute yourself. I'll do it again. I'm your signal. I take that as a as a message. No, 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 no. It was a mistake. That was an honest mistake. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the Wi-Fi is not good. Yeah, yeah. The Freudian mute. So go. Yeah. So th- th- with that hakdama, I you know I got out. I got out a little bit, and then we'll, maybe we'll continue. How's that? Okay. If you yeah. don't finish, I'm not No, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh go. So so those th- th- that's a little bit. Some of the the, the technical things. I'll give you another example. Hoidu, I don't know what I'm doing in Hoidu. It's so long. What am I, you know, how's it different than the rest of Sukkot Zimra? The answer is Hoidu. <laughs> the problem is, all we know about Hoidu is in the Siddur, it says that if you're the Chazin, you should say out loud, pause, which is Bechlal, it's really a mistake because you make up sick. That's not for the Chazin to say. Haidu was a song commissioned by David HaMelech. He gave it over to Asaf, who's the chief singer, to make one song for the Tamid Shal Shachar. That starts, Haidu Lashem and it ends, Then he made another song for the Tamid Shal Arbayim. That starts, and it ends, um, So, if you don't know that, you don't even know what you're doing in Haidu. This, this segment of Haidu is, is supposed to be accomplishing A. The next segment is supposed to be accomplishing B. If you learn that, if you know about it, if you study that, then you will automatically be connected. You know, you have two people playing chess. They know the rules and they've been playing the game for a while. They're so focused on that. They're so immersed in it. So I rang it and everything else block, blocked out of their mind. And then you have somebody who's watching them. He doesn't know a horse from a, from a pawn, from a bishop. He doesn't know what's flying. Why doesn't he feel connected? Because he just doesn't know. He doesn't know the rules. He never studied the rules. This should be taught in yeshivas. Look, there are a lot of important things to learn. And uh, we have to learn our whole life. You know, our children need to see that we didn't finish learning when we left yeshiva. Yeshiva taught us how to learn. Now we begin learning. There's, there's endless uh, opportunities and endless depth in every parak of the Siddur, in every aspect of Avedis Hashem, in every mitzvah. And the more we learn, the more we'll feel connected. All right, Beautiful opening. You ready? You ready? You ready for my for the Eilam? Let's go for it. Okay, let's take a poll. We have a few live questions. We have a bunch of questions that came in. <coughs> okay, this is just to get everybody warmed up. Yeah. How would you gauge your connection... To Hashem, four possible answers. I always feel connected. When things are working out in my life, I feel very connected. When things are not working out in my life, I feel connected. Or period, I just don't feel connected. He has no Wi-Fi service. He didn't pay his bill. That's the first question. The second question is, 
What area do you feel you could use help with your meters, your character traits? Relationships between friends and family, business, or davening, learning, avoid this Hashem? Answer those two questions. It's anonymous. We don't know who it is. We want to see, Rabbi Glassman, see what we're dealing with. Okay. Then we'll get into it. Okay. We have two live questions. We'll start first with the live. Let's see. Let's see what the, the oil has to say, and then we'll get into some of the questions that came in. Okay. Five seconds. Okay. Let's end the poll. Three, two, one. Okay. Okay. How would you how would you gauge your connection to Hashem? Forty nine percent of the people over here, Rabbi Gladstein, feel very connected. They're always connected to Hashem. Twenty three percent of people, when things are working out in their life, twenty percent of people, when things are not working out in their life, eight percent don't feel connected at all. Choshay let me have over here. Very nice. What area? What area yeah. do you feel you could use help with your meters, your character traits? Fifty eight percent, a whopping fifty eight percent. Relationships between friends and family, six percent business, and thirty-seven seven percent between davening and learning. Okay, let's let's go to the first live question. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank thank you, Rabbi. Um, I have a question. Is a barrier to feeling connected relating to us how we live in the Western world? which encourages individual, individual, uh, individualism. Um, but in Torah, I've heard that at least in some mitzvot, they're more powerful when we perform them together. So maybe like in the back in the day, we had more communal mitzvot. So then the individual ones maybe didn't, they were like the sprinkles and then the majority was together. So maybe, I don't know. Thank you. Look, I think there's there's um sometimes we confuse the term connected and inspiration. And I think people want to feel inspired where their heart is on fire, where their heart is aflame. And you know, a human being is a human being. A person's not gonna feel inspired all day long, or neither will they feel inspired every day of their life. That's just not realistic. You have, you know, even in Kabbalah, you have a terminology called moichen de gaglos, moichen de katnos. Sometimes you're feeling it, sometimes you're not. The goal in life is not always to be living with great inspiration. You you want to be connected to Hashem. Connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu means you are plugged in. And the way you're plugged in is by doing the things that the Yavon Shalom asks of us in the proper way, with the proper frame of mind. And with as much emotion as we are able to muster, muster. Now, you know, we don't want to get carried away only with the, let's say, the details of the mitzvahs. You know, Rabbi Yoyna tells us that there's their mailos el whether it's avas Hashem, whether it's yiras Hashem, the veikos, kedusha. These are all uh, aspects of avadis Hashem of the heart. But the, the mitzvahs and the, the, the diktukim, they keep us on the straight and narrow so that these hargashas and these feelings could be activated. Look, certainly, like you said, sometimes they're mitzvahs. Um, shouldn't one grow from Mechem Mechem? Let, 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 let me answer them. Yeah. Don't, don't read them. Yeah, okay, fine. Anybody wants to ask anything, text me, I'll harness, and we'll ask it. It's complicated. It gets confusing. Okay, sure. Okay, what else? Okay, yeah, yeah at the end of that, you ready for the next one? I'm ready, yeah. Okay, this is a, I'm going to generalize this question. We've got a few different versions of it. 
I'm very busy at work, but busy, I have a very busy work day and I try to find time to learn the da, but doesn't always happen. I find it hard to clear my head enough to really learn. What could I do to get Menuchas HaNefesh or whatever you want to say, to have that clear mindset to be able to focus on learning? Okay, so learning the daf is, is amazing. If you're able to learn the daf every day, that's Ashrecha v'toivlach, Ashrecha ba'il ma'zeh v'toivlach ba'il ma'bayu, kavayitim la'tayra. But, you know, in, in full honesty, if a person's learning is just the daf, it's, it's not going to cut it. The learning of the daf is very fast, it's extremely difficult to absorb the information. And it's an amazing kvius. Um, but to expect to feel a great vekos through one's learning by learning dafi yoimi, it's maybe not realistic. It has to be in conjunction with at least sometimes, maybe at least once a week, to have some kind of in-depth learning where you take... Um, a half an Ahmed Gemara, or you take a Toysis, you take a Rashi, even for 10, 15 minutes, and you focus on it, and you delve into it, ad sheyad chamagas, to the best of your ability. And that's really going to be um, an extra point of connection. In other words, in a way, you know, you using the analogy, you want to create um, uh, a strong uh, Wi-Fi zone. So dafyoimi you know, while, while it has its tremendous milus, but it, it's hard to, hard to really make a strong case that that's going to cut it for a person to, to be able to create a, a deep, a devekus HaKadosh Baruch Hu with that, if that's all of one's learning. And let me give you one other thing to think about. And I think this is a major problem today. And maybe this is the, the biggest problem. Well, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start from left field using the baseball analogy. <coughs> I'm sure, you know the famous schmooze of Chaim Shmulevitz. So you have Akiva. He goes off to learn for 12 years. He started off Amaretz. He comes back Gadol Hadar. He overhears his wife uh, talking to some guy. The guy says, "Are you out of your mind? Your husband left you like an amana." And uh, Rachel says, what do you mean? If he would listen to me, he would go learn for another 12 years. So Rabbi Kiva, if uh, we were him, we said, oh, of course, you know what I would do? I would, uh, I would go into my wife. I would say, Yashar Koyach. I would sing her Eishas Chayel. I would buy her a bouquet of flowers. I would thank her for her amazing uh, Mesiris Nefesh. I would say, no, how was the Bar Mitzvah last year you made without me? How was uh, PTA last night that you did without me? How was uh, Purim without me? We'd schmooze for an hour, and then he would go back and learn in the yeshiva. What does Rabbi Akiva do? He doesn't say boo to her. He doesn't say hello. He doesn't say goodbye. He doesn't say yasher kayach. He doesn't say anything. He turns right around, and he heads back to the yeshiva. So Rabbi Chaim Shalavitz asks, what kind of hakar satoiv is this? At the least he could do, he could say hello. He could say thank you. And Rabbi Chaim Shalavitz famously said, because 12 years plus 12 years does not equal 24 years. You cannot compare 24 years of uninterrupted consecutive learning with 12 years plus 12 years. I say this in all humility, and I say this in a heart that is pained. My heart is crying. How can a Jew expect to connect HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Torah or with Tvila 
if every other moment his phone is on and he's disturbed and interrupted by his phone. It is impossible. If you go to a base medrash and you have your phone on you, I don't care if it's on vibrate. If every moment it's interrupting you, you didn't learn an hour, you didn't learn 30 minutes, you didn't learn even one minute, you learned 30 seconds, and then 30 seconds, and 30 seconds. How in the world do you expect to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu without any Ritzifus, without any consecutive learning? It's not, it's not possible. It's Minanimna. I don't, you know, while I have the forum, and you know what? If they don't want to bring me on the show again, they don't have to, but uh, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity. Could you please do me a favor? If somebody wants to go to shul and they want to have a meaningful relationship with Misha Omar Bahaya Ha'ilam, they cannot have the phone on. If the phone is on, they're making the following choice. I choose not to connect Ta'akadosh Baruch. Don't bring your phone into shul and then come on Coach Menachem and say, I don't know, I daven three times a day and I don't feel connected to Ta'akadosh Baruch. Of course you don't, because you're connected to uh, texting and email and oh, WhatsApp. They're watching people from the phone now. What? They're watching from the phone now in shul. They're watching from the phone in shul? I, no, they're not. <laughs> They're watching from the phone. I don't know. You know, Arav called me up. He, he said, I don't know what to do. I have a, I have a set of chavrus. So one guy, he wants to learn in the shul on the cell phone with a friend. Okay, that's taka good shayla. But how, how could a person expect, you know, what's tefillah? Tefillah is the following. To serve Hashem with all your heart. Now, you know, and I know that it's very difficult for me to serve Hashem with all my heart, and it's probably hard for many of us to serve Hashem with all our heart. But if the phone is on, you're making the conscious decision that I don't even intend to serve Hashem with all my heart because a chilek of my heart is being, is musr to my telephone. So I, I would say, honestly, in all full honesty, the most important Kabbalah that a Jew could make in 2021 is to say, and when I go into the base of Knesses, I don't bring my phone in. He said, I can't survive without it. So pal, then only go into shul for five minutes. If you can't survive for more than five minutes on the phone, then just start by going to shul for five minutes. And then tomorrow you'll go for six minutes and the next day, seven minutes. But you can't, you know, you know, if you want to be connected, so you have to want to connect. You know, I, I think uh, that, there, there's no better advice, you know. I, I don't. I don't really have more to say. Okay, let's go to more live questions. Yeah. Hi, are you on? Um. Yeah. Not you. Me, I'm still here. I hope everyone else is still on with us. Everybody's here. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Not you, Rabbi Glasstein. Phone text that he's on. Sorry. SH. <coughs> okay, so are you ready? Yeah, am I waiting for something? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm mute. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, sorry. Hi. I noticed you, you answered some of the questions about the numerous distractions that we, we have now, but you're saying that it's almost like you have to be a Torah scholar to really grasp that, you know, that kind of attachment to Hashem. You talk about knowing the rules and really like, you know, really 
you know, learning, learning. Because those of us who don't maybe have that, that maybe that brain power capacity. I, I, no, I mean, no, it's it, not rocket science. Um, it's not not very complicated. You just you just have to know what you're doing. You know, um, you just have to know what you're doing. You know, they, they tell the story. You have two guys. They're learning in the base medrash. And they both have their phones out, and they said, "I don't understand why. Why does my phone say um, uh, lack of storage?" So the guy says, uh, "You know, because you have to go into your, you have to go into the into the selection um, in the back of your phone, click down seven icons, then go into the sixth choice." And uh, the guy said, "Okay." And then what I do then? And he gives this whole complicated thing, and he gives them like a, a forty-five minute rush of how to fix the detail of his phone, and then they get back to learning and say, you know, this Gemara is really very difficult, you know, uh, nah, it's not for us. The guy just gave like a, a lecture on, on neuroscience on how to end, how to get into his phone, but when it came to, you know, a little Torah study, all of a sudden it became uh, a little bit too complicated. I think she's um, asking also, uh, what would you tell a simple, a yeah, simple woman, woman out there, she wants to start, what are the three things she should do that it's called connected? Yeah, yeah, those of us who are like, you know. Okay. So, learners, you know. <laughs> okay, good. Very important question. Yeah. I'm glad that you asked that. Thank you very much. If somebody wants to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they should learn three lines in the Chayvah Savavos about the function of Tefillah. Now, the prerequisite is you don't have anything vying for your attention. So you take off your phone, you put it down. You go into the other room. The Chayvah Savavos says there are certain basic objectives of Tefillah. One is to stand in humility before your creator. So this, you don't even have to open up a sitter for this. You stand in your room and you sit and you acknowledge that in the presence of the creator, we're, we're negligible. That hargasha, that feeling is priceless. That is one of the chief objectives of tefillah. Then another objective of tefillah is we all have our package. We all have our peckle. We all have our challenges. Another objective of tefillah is throwing your package on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is a second objective of tefillah. You don't even have to have a siddur for that. You don't even have to know the meaning of the words for that. Another objective of tefillah, the Chavis says, is to recognize and appreciate the elevation and the magnitude of the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just to think for a moment of the great wisdom needed. You know, think for a moment. A car. How long does a car last for? If you're lucky, it lasts, you know, nowadays people lease cars. Lucky it lasts 10 years, 15 years. Because what do you expect, you know, 15 years is very old. And we're, and human beings, we take it for granted. A human being should live 70, 80, 90 years, but nothing that a man makes lasts that long. No, we take it for granted that we're much more... Um, we're much more, we're created with greater wisdom and greater uh, um, precision and greater chachma. So take a moment to stop to think about the, the, the greatness of the creator. These are the objectives of tefillah. They don't require great knowledge. They don't require high level of education. Standing in gratitude to Hashem. Yeah, unfortunately a person could flip through a hundred pages of a siddur, but they never had a moment of genuine gratitude to Hashem in the whole shachris. So on the one hand, we require education to know what we're supposed to be doing, but it's not rocket science. It's not very complicated. So maybe some of the ideas that we mentioned in the beginning of the year are more sophisticated. And the more sophisticated our appreciation of the tefillah is, 
the more you're going to be immersed in it, and the more you're going to be engrossed in it. In a way, if I could, if I could, you know, in a way, it's 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 painful. I'll tell you why, because if we would be equipped with this knowledge, then you wouldn't hear questions like, "I know oh, she's going to ask me, what do you mean? I work so hard the whole week, and uh, I'm stressed out the whole week, and I come to shul on Shabbos." Oh, 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 let, me, let me read the question. Let me read the yeah. question. Because well, you, you have one of these. I'm reading it right now. I'm reading it right now. Okay. Okay. This go for it. Shabbos. Um, Shabbos is the day that I go to see my friends in shul. I socialize. I need to catch up. I understand it bothers other people in shul. And I try to keep quiet. Sometimes I talk a little bit by chazar shots. I'm sure it's not such a big deal. I already daven to Shmon Esrei, right? Honestly, if I, I wouldn't be able to shul, I probably wouldn't go to shul daven at all. That's the question. Uh uh-uh. uh. You asked the wrong guy. <laughs> okay. They said that the, the, the right guy. You know, so look, this this is exactly the point. The point is, we got to get real, right? That's the bottom line. You know, it's it's very nice. We have this whole uh, rationalization. We're we're stressed out. We have anxiety, and we go to shul. It's therapeutic. It's socially therapeutic. But I have a question for you. You you have a job. You actually hold on a job. Imagine if on Thursday you told your boss, you know, I'm working hard the whole week. My wife at home and. She's driving me up the wall. My kids are driving me crazy and I can't take anything. And I come to work and I want to kick back. I want to relax. I want to chill out with the boys, you know, in the office and grab a beer. So, I mean, how long do you hold down a job for? So why, why is it that nobody in their right mind would even dare think of such a argument uh, in terms of work or for that matter, regarding any other important area of their life? And when it comes to Avodah Hashem, it's like reasonable to, to raise the question. It's because we have to, at some point in our life, ask ourselves, is our Avodah Hashem something real? Do we, do we acknowledge that this world is a, a prosdar, is a corridor before the world to come where we're given a short opportunity to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then we're going to either be rewarded or face the consequences, or uh, is it all about just uh, following what so, some other people are doing? So, so you want to know Chazar Sashatz. Here's another thing. You know, I think uh, many mistakenly perhaps think that Chazar Sashatz is some kind of dinosaur, an antiquated, uh, um, uh, it's like, um, it's like an appendix. You know, we're not exactly sure what Chazar Sashatz is still doing in the Siddur Bismanazah, so if those people in the shul want to do it, Gazante let them do it. They'll do their thing. I'm going to do my thing. So this also just requires a little bit of education. You know, the Arizal writes, and uh, it's brought in the Kavachem. The Arizal says, Chazar Sashatz is the most important part of tefillah. Chazar Sashatz is the most powerful part of tefillah. In fact, the Arizal says that the rest of the Shmane, the regular Shtola Shman Esrei, it's not so powerful. Because, and therefore the malachim could instigate and they could interfere. And therefore we have to say it quietly so the malachim don't interfere with our tefillah. But Chazar Sashatz is so, so powerful that we could say it out loud and we don't have to worry about what the malachim are going to say. Now, you know what? Um, the Gras says what it means. The Gemara tells us in Brachas, if a person daven and he wasn't answer, what should he do? He should daven again. Says the Gras, what does it mean daven again? Chazar Hashatz. 
is it possible? I mean, I know nowadays we're not chas allowed to say why anything happens. Of course, we always have to, you know, stick up our hands and say, we don't know why these things are happening. But could it be that our tefillos are not answered the way they should be answered? Because we're not even davening them. If the Iker tefillos chazar sashats, here you have a guy, I, I don't know, why isn't Parnasa going well? And why isn't Shalom Bayis going well? And why isn't Chilich going well? And why isn't, I come to Shul and I daven, Rabir, what do you do by Chazar Sashat? Um, yeah, good question. I'm, I, I, I'm not really so into that. Okay, so that requires uh, education. This is, you know, we're not, this is not an indictment of anybody. This is just a matter of, of learning. That's what life's all about. Life's all about upgrading our appreciation and our understanding of the things that we do every day. But I'll take it even further. I hope it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so into learning. I'm such a masmid. I, I don't feel connected. I'm even Maver Sedra and I do Dafyoimi and I do Dafa Shavua. And <coughs> by the way, I love Dafyoimi. I'm very into Dafa Shavua. I, I like Dafa Shavua. We learn an Amud Monday night. We learn an Amud Tuesday night. We chazer the blood a few times on Shabbos. And Sunday morning, we have an Ion Shir on the daf. So by the time the week is over, we could have done the daf many, many, many times. By the time the week is over, you have a blot in your back pocket. You know, otherwise, the person learns seven blot a week. Uh, by the end of the week, what, what do you have in your, what do you have to show for it? Again, you know, and I have some people, they do both. You know, they do daf, you know what I mean? They do daf shavua, But, uh, you know, you got a game plan to have a, a manner of learning, which is, now. so here, this is what I wanted to get to. You know, all of a sudden, by Chazar Sashats, people become big masmidim. People learn Dafyoimi, people learn Maver Sedra, people learn Maver Sedra. People are, I don't know, they're saying Tehillim. I mean, uh, I don't know, you know, you could ask your Paisek, you know, the Mishnah Baruch says that you're not allowed to learn during Chazar Sashats. Yeah, I, I don't follow the Mishnah You know, Chaim Kinevsky says that um, the Medrash says about Bilam that because Bilam learned his Chachma and he grabbed it, he was not Matzliach. So Reb Chaim Kriyavsky asked, what do you mean Bilam grabbed his Chachma? Either you learn or you don't learn. What do you mean he grabbed it? So Reb Chaim Kriyavsky says, by the way, he says this in two places. He says this in Time of the Kra, and he says in the Orchaz Yosher, that he grabbed it. He learned by Chazar Sashatz. He learned at a time that you're not to learn. And he said, when you learn at a time you're not to learn, yeah, you learned the Blat. You won't have any Hatzlacha from that. In fact, Chaim Knievsky says that if you're Maver Sedra during Chazar Sashatz, then uh, it's Mitzah Baba Beira. He says, it could be you have to do it again. Why would somebody Chazar Sashatz? Everyone's saying Tehillim. Why would somebody say Tehillim? Would you say Tehillim in the middle of Shema Nasrei? Again, if you have uh, your Paiskim, no problem. I'm just pointing out what the Mishnah says. There are certain details and certain regulations that, you know, if you want to stay connected, you got you to gotta follow the rules. I hope it's okay to mention, you know. We have, to, we have so many live questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. <coughs> You're on now. SH, you want to try now, you mic? Say hello. This mic doesn't work. Three, two, one. Okay. Arnoyach, you ready? Yeah. Okay, let's go. 
Are they scared of me because right. I don't live in Lakewood? What's the? Everybody's scared of you. Shalom, Rabbi Gladstein. I have a question as follows. This is yeah. a phenomenon going on already for a while. I know a yeah. lot of friends that are very caught up in this. Yeah. And it's the Indian of Tzvila B'tzibur. Now, we're not talking about giving the cheshivas of Tzvila B'tzibur that everybody has. Somebody lives in, he lives in Lakewood or in Brooklyn, it's relatively pretty simple because of all hours of the day you have a minion. But I'm talking about people that take it to the next level. It's almost like a record. They, right. can never miss, they can never miss the Tefillah B'tzibur. They bring their whole family into the picture. When they go on, when they go, have to go on a trip, whether it's going on vacation, they can turn the whole family upside down, topsy-turvy, driving miles far away, putting everybody into discomfort positions that they should have in Tefillah B'tzibur. When they take a flight and there's no Tefillah B'tzibur and they're going with their wife, they cancel the trip and so on and so forth. And it became like obsession. My question, and they have all these things that it's a schooler, there's people say school. so Panos understand the cheshivas. My question is, what is the proper criteria that one should follow regarding tefillah b'tzibur? Okay. Good question. You know, halavai that everybody's obsession and uh, uh, people, what people are, everyone's addiction should be that we're dealing with uh, Addiction to Tefillah B'tzibar. You know, Halavai, Mika Amcha Yisrael, that here it is, it's 11 o'clock at night, Sunday night, and the pressing issue facing Klal Yisrael, look down from Shammai and be Merachem on us. Look at the, the problem in Klal Yisrael is that we're addicted to connecting to you B'tzibar. Baruch Hashem. But, that being said, you know, Rabbi Sol Salanter once said that he strove his whole life to put on equal playing field all the mitzvahs and all the halachas of the Taira, which means that as important as Tefillah B'tzibur is, there are many things that are very important, whether it's uh, Shalom Bayis, whether it's Derech whether, okay, you know, some people are at um, Tefillah B'tzibur, so they're going to, you know, wake people up on the airplane. You know, many G'daylam said not to daven with a minion on a plane. That's a big discussion. I would say regarding this issue, we could bring up the following important yisoy that we didn't discuss yet. And that is Reb Yid or Mrs. Yid. I know you learned that, Yoyimi. Beautiful. And you're down with a minion three times a day. And you send your kids to the best yeshiva. When was the last time you spoke to a Rav? Not about whether your chicken is kosher. About a question in Hanhaga of how to lead your life. When was the last is there a Rav in this world that is close with you, that knows you, that knows your name, that knows your wife's name, that knows your children's name, that knows where you go to yeshiva, knows where you were brought up? Who's your Rav? Who is your rabbi? Do you have a rabbi? Do you have a Rav who you're close with, that you consult with? Not about, um, you know, I, I ate, I ate um, Parmesan cheese five hours and 58 minutes ago, now I want to have a steak. If that's the only Shiloh you ever ask, you don't have a Rav. If you don't have a Rav, here's another thing. You won't be connected. Rabbeinu Yoyna writes, Asilcha Rav. You have to make a Rav because what you learn from a Rav will penetrate your heart much deeper than something you learn from a book. And I'm not nothing against Art Scroll. I love Art Scroll. 
Here, buy, buy the book, Mystery and the Majesty, Art Scroll. Okay, thank you, Asha. So I gave myself a plug. You can learn with Art Scroll, it's wonderful. But you need to learn from a Rebbe also for two things. You need advice, you need direction. So that's a question to ask a Rav. Go to a Rav, you say, Rav, I'm going on, a, no, I don't want to ask the Rav because then I'm going to have to tell the Rav where I'm going on vacation. That's exactly why you need the Rav. Because just the fact that you have one will keep you in check. But, you know, this is the first step. The, the programs like this are, are amazing. They, they're a great asset to Klausro, but it has to, we have to take it the next step. Okay, so I need to find a Rav. Not just a poisek who could, who could say, Isser and Heter, Yoredeach, Shach and Taz. Somebody to be Madrachil. The last time you asked the Shiloh was to your, your Mashkiach when you were dating. And now it's 55 years later. So, uh, you know, something amazing. When Rav Petterberg and Rav Naftali Amsterdam, when they came to Yushalayim, they, their Rebbe, of course, was Rabbi Sol Salanter. Now, these were the two of the foremost Bali Musra that ever lived. I mean, they didn't take a step without thinking, what would Rabbi Yisrael do? And they came to Yushalayim, but Rabbi Yisrael is not there, and you need to have a Rav. So they went to Rabbi Shmuel Salant, who they were older then, and they said, you be my Rav. You be my Rav. You know, somebody just told me, who told me? That Rabbi Shlaima Volba would go to um, Rabbi Yonison David and sit in on his shmuzin because Rabbi Volba held, you need to have a Rebbe. Shloim Volba? <laughs> the Zakin HaMoser in the Dar, he would sit in on a younger person's shear? Yeah, because everybody needs a Rebbe. Because what you learn from a Rebbe has a deeper impact. Because here, here's what I want you to take out of tonight. That learning is not just information. It, we, we need it to make an impact on, on our neshama. We want it to be coursing through our veins. We need it to flow through our blood. And therefore, the ingredients needed to be successful in learning and in ruchnias are different than in any other discipline. You're right. If you want to be successful in mathematics or in chemistry, you don't need a Rebbe. But if you want to be successful in Torah, you need to have a Rebbe. So... I would say regarding that question about the minion obsession, to me, it sounds like a guy who's, uh, he's doing his own thing. That's what it sounds like to me. If he would have a Rebbe, I think he, you would hear a little bit more of a balance to the person. Okay, Rabbi Glassman, there's so many live. Let's go. You're on. Hi. 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 Okay, thank you so much. So I have a two-part question. Um, the first part is, um, a lot of what the Rav is discussing is regard to diving with the minion and fears of Torah. Right. So what about yeah. women with kids at home who aren't doing these things, aren't supposed <laughs> to be doing these things? Um, so how do we maintain that connection in that way to Hashem with this, so to speak, day-to-day routine? Right. Uh-huh. Okay, um, that's a very important question. Um, I will point out, and I, I don't think this is popular, that uh, in the Sefer Kalkisli Chavetz Chaim, by the Dugmois Me'avi Mari, you have a, a few comments that the son of the Chavetz Chaim said. I'm going to tell you verbatim what the son of the Chavetz Chaim writes. He says, Imi kemat My mother kemat never davened. Can you imagine? Why? 
Because my father told her she's exempt because someone who is involved in a mitzvah is exempt from doing a mitzvah. And um, I think what that means is, what, what, well, what, wait a second, what mitzvah is the woman involved in? And the answer is, the woman is doing something which uh, in a way more closely parallels the Darkei Hashem than anybody else. And that is, she's creating, she's nourishing, she's nurturing a person, a human being, and um, she's, she's being mekayim, bringing up Yireim Ushleimim and everything that entails. So in, in a way, sometimes it's, uh, you have to get down and dirty. It's not the most glamorous way of uh, connecting Takadosh Baruch Hu. But again, if it's not, it's not about how we feel about it. It's about doing the right thing. If a woman also could have a rav and ask, okay, these, these are my circumstances. How much should I daven? Should I daven the whole shah? I'm not telling uh, that women should not daven. There are, you know, but on the other hand, whether a woman has to daven the whole chakras for 45 minutes, that also has to be evaluated. Maybe a woman could say brachos, maybe kriya shaman shaman esrei, and then learn some of the basic objectives. Okay, what is my objective in tefillah? If my objective is just saying the words, then the tefillah is likely not, not to have as much meaning. If the objective is to engendering certain feelings, whether it's awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whether it's humility before Hashem, whether it's throwing my pekel on Hashem, whether it's thanking Hashem, that could be accomplished in a few moments, really. So it's, I think, a combination of getting direction, combination of knowing and being educated what it is I'm supposed to be accomplishing. And uh, it's possible for a woman in a few moments of tefillah to uh, connect more than the man can in, in his hour of chakras. Maybe uh, um, Rabbi Nachum wants to uh, spell me, you know, a moment on that. Yeah, I'm saying uh, very good. I'm listening to it's a, a different approach. Uh, I think uh, many ladies feel that they connect through their davening. So when they don't daven, they ask the question of how do I connect? I wouldn't want to take away davening from them because some, some of them need it. But like you said, not always does it work. And you have to know what am I doing for myself or what am I doing for Hashem? Okay, let's go. There's another live question now. Um, you're on. Yeah, hi. Good evening. Thank you. Um, while I am someone who I have a rub that I'm connected with, um, I have a harusa for five, six years that I don't have any outside distractions like a cell phone and tefillah, chazar sashat, baruch Hashem. It's been a long time and I focus, come on time. But once chakras is over, I come home, I help with the kids, kids on the school bus, I head to the office to work how do I retain that connection for the next eight hours you know even though possibly I I will have it sometimes during tefillah but once that's over and you know the whole craziness goes on how Mm -hmm. do you retain that for the next eight hours okay so also very important question um I think that that uh, the concept of kavana could could uh, facilitate 
um, remaining connected, although it might not be foremost on one's mind, even being engaged in other things. And that is, um, the Ramchal says in Dar Hashem, that the Ribbon Shom set up the world in the following way, that everything we do, we should be misfollowed for. Whether it's, uh, whether we need to go to the store, whether we need to go to work, or whatever we're involved in, we should preface it with a tefillah. Why? Says Ramchal, because let's say you're misfollowed, Hashem, give me success today in the office. So now you're transforming your work in the office into an avodas Hashem. Because since you daven for it and you asked Hashem to help you in it, so what you're doing now, you're in, you involved HaKadosh Baruch Hu in what you're about to do. So even though you're about to go to work for eight hours, but you prefaced it with a tefillah, so you, so to speak, brought the Riban Shalom with you to the workplace. But even, even regarding this issue, you know, this is also a halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says, before you, before you engage in Maso Matan, you should be mechavein. I'm going to work to earn a livelihood for my family, which is a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah da'iraisa. Um, we learn it out for Haidato lohem es haderach ha'shel yelchubat. It's a pasuk in Parshas Yisrael. It's the Gemara Bav Metziah Darshans. It's in all likelihood a mitzvah da'iraisa. So I'm, I'm doing so. I'm mechavein to do a mitzvah. So everything I'm doing is a mitzvah. I'm shaking a lulav and esrog the whole day. I'm going to work to send my kids to yeshiva. I'm going to work so I don't uh, steal other people's money. I mean, there, there are many noble kavanas that you could start work with. And you're right, standing in the office, filling out paperwork, it's not a very glorious way of connecting to Hashem, but the kavana that you start the day with sort of injects a element of Abayda Hashem into everything that we do the whole day. That's, you know, but I'm so, saying I, I I I do think that could work for a week or two weeks. Well, once once you just do that every day, is there something more practical throughout the day that we can you know hold on to? Look, you know, I think everyone at work has moments they could take a break, whether it's a lunchtime, you know, and and they could pause and have a stay there, uh, whether whether a musr, toranytime.com, right? Oh, sure, I could do that, right? Have a DJ. DG, thank you. And <laughs> look, nobody said life was easy. We're not, you know, this is not here to 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 make a piece of cake out of it. When when the Lord said he wasn't joking, you know. When he said it's hard to make a living, it wasn't a he it was very serious. Nobody said making a, live, a living is easy, and nobody said the temptations of the workplace are are, are easy. It's a major challenge. And that's that's life. Life is the battlefield. Um, but you know, you know, the idea is to to start off the day in the right foot. So you inject enough kedusha that you hope that uh, lasts you throughout the day. But you know, sometimes sometimes work does get overwhelming, and you know, Rosh gives us Shabbos, and maybe sometimes a person needs to take a day off and uh, re-energize and recharge, and and that when. You know, when a person feels uh, a downer, then uh, it's time to, to be Miss Boy name. You know, what can I do to, to recharge? Sometimes it's, it's, it's much easier to connect. Davening, learning, everything works out. And when you go there, the kids go to school or all the craziness happens, um, we're not used to, we're not used to connecting in that place. But uh, I'm thinking that 
by davening and learning, you're talking to Hashem. And when you go out to the work or with the kids, that's when you see Hashem talking to you. He's basically putting everything in front of you and say, okay, Yankee, we discussed it this morning. I said, I'll take care of you. Here we go. Now let's see. Well, how are you going to deal with this? Oh, Hashem, I don't know how to help me. And next, how do you do? How do I do this? Next, all this craziness. This is what Hashem is putting in front of you. So yeah, we, we, we need to think like that's the training, and then you're going actually into the war. That that's that's for you to deal with. It. You go with Hashem. School in the morning. That's all. You know, not that's your preparation. But then when you're going out to the world. That's really the design. Yeah. Take Hashem along with you. Okay, we have a lot, a lot of questions. Let's, let's try to get some more. Okay, you're mm-hmm. um, up. Good evening, Rabbi Gladstein, um, yeah. What is the role of the Rav in all of this? If so many Yidin feel disconnected, discontent, and the Talmud HaChaman with strong yeshiva backgrounds, the Divrei Torah and Shabbos are geschmack and lovely, if, and how come a, how could a rov go to a shul? His balabatim are disconnected. They're coming late. They sit. They sleep. They are on the phones. What is the role of the rov? How come the rov is not taking rabbanim are not taking responsibility for this? If this is so fundamental and it's, it's such a flaw, balabatim are struggling and drowning. Why are rabbanim giving gorgeous the Taira and we're having kumzits in? Why aren't rabbanim who have enough, who take on the oil of the tzibur the achrayis, making certain that this isn't being first and foremost being dealt with so the balabatim and the children feel connected? If the rabbanim are not going to take achrayis, who's going to take achrayis for this? Okay, good question. I for some I reasons I can't get into this. I can't get into this too much, but but suffice it to say as follows. There are many courageous Rabbonim who do. However, I feel that many, many Rabbonim, are, their hands are tied. And that is because they are employed by their tzibor. And uh, it is difficult, if not impossible, for a Rav who has to deal with a tzibor that's paying their salary. For now, the Rav to say, okay, listen, you know, listen, guys. Um, you know, I want to connect you, but, you know, so long as, you know, you guys are bringing the phone, we can't do this. So, okay, we're not having any phones in this basic Knesset. So, you know, whether a, a Rav could pull that off, that's the responsibility, that's their achrayis. I would put the onus on the people. Why don't the people let the Rabbanim facilitate this? Because it's not so... I would say uh, most Rabbanim are not in a position to, to be able to do it unless they have great inner strength and, um, and courage. And let's, let's leave it at that. Okay. Let's go to the next live one. Every glass, and I told you, this is, this is let's get real. This is, this is, there's no hope. Yeah. Thank you very much, Rob. Um, I have kind of a... Sure, no, go ahead. No, you're on. Um, go, go, go. Kind of, go for it. I have kind of a different uh, question about connection. Um, the minion, the outdoor minion that I dive in, I still dive in the outdoor minion. Um, there's not too many people. Sometimes they don't even get a minion, which is one of the reasons why I dive in there. Right. Um, one of the problems is that no one there really wants to dive in for the Yomad. I'm not really sure why, but the the coordinator of the minion is always asking, like, who wants to dive in for the Yomad? And no one really... Where do you live? Up. I live in Queens, Kew Gardens, Kew Gardens Hills. Why, is it, why are people still dominating outside? Some people are still, I don't know. I don't That's know. A, They're still uh, trying. 
to be, I think they're still trying to be somewhat careful. Careful. I but mean, look, you know, that's, I that's, that's the main reason. You know, I, I, um, with all due respect, and maybe it's not my place to put the onus on the questioner, but at this point in uh, the situation, I think it's certainly reasonable where people are going inside for almost everything else in life. Mm-hmm. Why would people still be davening outside? I think people got used to a certain comfort level of, uh, nice outside, nobody bothers me, there's no membership fees, I don't have to listen to a drasha, and so forth. But I think that would be a good question to ask a Rav, you know, is it time to move inside? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the question, core of your question, Zev? What's the core of your question? Now, the core of my question is, um, the pro- no one really wants to for the Yom for whatever reason, and I would love, personally, I don't mind dominating for the Yomid, but I know for a fact they tend to go much slower than the Minyan, and I know they like to go a little bit faster than my taste. And I'm worried that if I were to dive from the Ahmed, that they would either rush me or I would be a tier for the Tibor. And therefore, I don't really speak up. Like, and I'm just wondering, is it no one really wants to dive from the Ahmed? So should I speak up and maybe possibly um, sacrifice part of my Kavana that I normally have during davening? Which, which would you say is more important? By the way, this brings to a very interesting point. I want to tell you something very interesting. You know, um, somebody asked for Moshe Shaila. They asked for Moshe, I feel when I down with the Tzibor, you know, I have to dive in a little quicker and uh, maybe it's a little bit more distracting because there are other people mm-hmm. around. I feel if I down in my living room, I could down with much more Kavana and connect, connect, right? That's the big world, connect. But Moshe said, there's no mitzvah to connect in davening. The mitzvah is not to connect. The mitzvah is to have do, uh, do that which is necessary to elicit a response And when you dive in B'tzibur, it's, your tefillah is more effective. So from here we see a very important yesoid. The, the objective of tefillah is not to connect, is not to feel a warm and, and uh, devekos. That's not the objective necessarily. The objective is to follow the guidelines. We follow the guidelines, then we'll accomplish... Uh, what we need to accomplish. Okay, what else you got? Okay, um, I want to get to this question. A few people sent it in, but I think it's an important question. I want to try, try to cover a different topic a little bit. My kids are very busy with their wants and needs and constant demands. I feel like this is coming from a lack of happiness within themselves. What can I do to be holding where so badly where, where I want my kids to be? What can I do for my kids that they shouldn't be so busy with all their wants and needs? Okay, you know, that's an um, important question, you know, a little bit off the topic, but look, the job of the parent is to uh, shower a kid with love. That's the main job of a parent. What do the kid want? The kid wants food, you need to feed them. Kid wants clothing, you need to clothe them. You know, that's part of the responsibility of the parent. The kid wants uh, luxurious items, so then, uh, then you need to educate that you know, happiness is from having what you need, not from having excess. But the, the job of the parent is, is to take care of the physical and emotional needs of the child. That's the parent's responsibility. And it's a full-time job. You know, kids need a lot of things. They need food. They need clothing. They need uh, help with their work. And uh, most of all, they need attention. And most of the time, if a parent gives a kid a lot of healthy attention, then they don't need other things. 
So, uh, you know, as a generality, if a parent is able to shower a kid with uh, loving attention, then that very often takes care of some of the other things that kids are looking for. What does uh, Rabbi Nachum say? Oh, for the kids? Rabbi Nachum just buys his kids everything. He just spoils them. It's not starting to get... Huh. I'll take it to the next question. I'll go back to the topic that we just that were discussing. This is a question from a woman about her husband. So she says, um, my husband is a respectful person in the community. However, at home, <coughs> the behavior is not... It, he, she says he really loses it. Um, me and my kids... What can I do to change my husband? Mm-hmm. Lots of luck. Now, what could he, what could you do to change your husband? So, unfortunately, the the question is somewhat talus uh, meikara, and that is, there's very little that anybody could do to change anybody. And as much as we think we could change somebody, it's unlikely you you will ever change your spouse, especially a wife's not going to change her husband. Um, nor is it her job to change her husband. However, her job is to react and deal with the circumstances that the Yvonne presents to her in the best possible way. Now, in no way should she have to put up with any kind of uh, abuse, but if if the husband's behavior in the house is not on par with what his behavior is outside the house, which is likely and probable almost in most cases because nobody is everybody behaves better. I'll give you a great story. Somebody once um, um, was sitting next to Victor Miller when Rav Miller was benching. So when Rav Miller finished benching, he turned to the guy and said, thank you for the Samazan. Guy says, what are you talking about? You said the Berchus Samazan, not me. So Miller said, no, but I bench better because you were watching. So Rav Miller was, an, was in touch with himself enough and honest with himself to know and admit that he benched better because someone is watching. But that's how everybody is. Everybody acts better when other people are around. You know, that's what Rav Lezer told us, Tamid, I give you a bracha, that uh, you should fear God like you feel, fear other people. So, you know, it's, it's pretty normal. However, um, what could a woman do better? Maybe her husband needs... Uh, also attention. Sometimes husbands are babies, right? They're also kids and they also need uh, attention. And sometimes some loving attention can also uh, alleviate some of the issue. What's the husband doing uh, wrong if he's learning and he's respected? What can we tell the husband? Oh, what can we tell the husband? I'll tell you what the husband's doing wrong. The problem is he's learning and he's respected. Those are the two problems. So the more he learns, the stronger the Yitzhahara is. The more he's respected, the more he's interested in COVID. Now he comes home and his wife, uh, his wife says, you know, you want to help me in the house? And he says, me, you know, so that's his problem. His problem is he's learning. Now the, what he needs to do is he needs to learn Musar. Now I want to say something else. Nowadays, all of a sudden the lines became blurred. You need to learn Panemius. You know, that's the catchphrase, Panemius. I love Panemius. I love it to pieces. I'm enthralled with it. But panemius is only going to get you so far. You can learn panemius and you can know the inner meaning of Shabbos and the inner meaning of tefillah and the inner meaning of Lul of an Esrig. And you could be a novel Bershus HaToyra because you never worked on your kas and you never worked on your gaiva and you never worked on have a medabra a kol adam tisnaig tamid ledabra kol varecha benachas. So panemius is great. You have to learn Musar. 
You have to learn Musar. That's the bottom line. A Jew must learn Musar. Mishabura says of all of one's limudim, Musar takes priority. Even a few minutes a day, a few minutes a day, a Jew should learn Mesilas Yesharim, Sharei Tshuva, Chavis Havavais, at least a couple times a week. That's, that's one of the best pieces of advice that I could give. If I could say two things. Number one, you're doing mitzvahs, wonderful. So do them. Put away your phone and do the mitzvah. You want to be connected, so um, remove distraction. That's the first thing. Sur meirah. And, and uh, furthermore, a person has to devote time regularly to study a Musar. Gemara is critical. You have to learn Gemara, and you have to be Mavra Sedra, and you have to know the Mishnah Brura, and you should learn Chumash and Rashi, and Chumash and the Ramban, and uh, so many importantly, Mudim. First and foremost, learning Musar. Let's all ask, uh, one second, Usher, right now, I want a poll. Off, can we do like an ad hoc poll, like off the cuff? I have to type it in beforehand. What? I have to type it in. It takes me a minute. Okay, let's, let's get, you know, let's send everybody send to Usher. One question. Do I learn Musar at least once a week? Everybody click on the reaction and raise your hand. Reaction, raise your hand, two raise hands, hand smiley face, once a week. emoji, emoji, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. I haven't learned Musar since I was in seventh grade. Maybe they should learn Musar or Panemius. Uh, Panemius and Kaas. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, be, but, but to learn about the, the Midas, you know, to learn about the Midas. You know, about, you, about 25 people that said yeah. Okay, beautiful. You have a good audience. This is nice. Hush for crowd. What do you think? What do you think we're dealing with here? Very nice. All right. Look, I don't know if you'll bring me back, oh. but you know, I would want to. Oh, oh, it's getting warmed up. I know we gotta go. I was such an oilum. With such an oilum, you know, it's a great honor. It's a great okay, honor. I, I have one more live, and I have one more question. I really want to ask you. Then we can go to closing. Is that okay, Rabbi Gladstein? I know you're not feeling well. Sure, sure. Okay, let's do the last live. So last question live, then I'll get to my question, and then let's go to closing. It's a good time for closing. Okay, you're on. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Um, it's more on the, the original discussion we had before. Um, I happen to be a person that that loves to connect with Hashem, talk to Hashem all day from the second, like I get up in the morning, throughout the day, talking to my kids, <laughs> everything is it's Hashem, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. And I really try to internalize it. But when it comes to picking up a sitter, it's like... It's so hard. And it's like, why can't I do this? Why can't I connect? And I know you said that it's not the, the necessarily the woman's place to be davening. But let's say I have a short period of time, not necessarily a long, but a short period of time every morning. Why can I not pick up that sitter so easily and just start the tefillahs? Now, I know obviously your own words are different than the words of the sitter that is not necessarily our first language. But even like some of it, like I try hard to, to connect, try to understand what I'm saying. Right. It's so hard and I push it off. And I'm like, I don't know why. Like, why can't I do this? So, look, um, I don't, you know, there could be a myriad of factors. If I could just point out some of the value of using the words that we have in the Siddha of Antik Let's say the words of Shemana Esrei. These words were written by Nevi'im. 120 Nevi'im who gathered together. They scanned all the inner workings of the heavens and they selected words that carry nuclear energy. That if you merely say the words, even if you don't understand the meaning, when you say the words, Hashem 
It brings Rafua to the world, even if you don't know what it means. These Nevi'im injected the words, Rav Chaim Lezner says, with such nuclear energy that even if you don't know what it means, it will accomplish what it needs to accomplish. So look, it, it is a it is a tremendous source of spiritual energy. And, uh, you know, maybe the Yitzhahara recognizes sometimes that a person's tefillah could be so powerful and the Yitzhahara is scared of it. So sometimes a person experiences a tough Yitzhahara, then they know, oh, what I'm about to do must be really important. And, you know, that sometimes gives the extra energy to persevere and to say, you know what, this is worthwhile. Obviously, the Yitzhahara realizes what power is and what I'm about to do. So let me, let me do it. And I'll be last, the last question of the night before we go to closing, okay? Sure. It's a question I was asking you. I don't know if you have the answer, but let's just bring it up and see where it takes us. There's a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism and hate going on in the world right now. Yeah. If you open the news, there are many stories that are shocking and quite frightening. Do you share your view on all the craziness that's going on currently? Okay. Um, here's my shortcoming. My shortcoming is I speak the truth and I hold nothing back. So I'm going to tell you what's on my heart. I've been thinking about this and I feel this very deeply. On the one hand, we can never say in our generation, this tragedy, you know why it happened? It happened because of X. It happened because of Y. It happened because of Z. We're not Nevi'im. We're not prophets. We don't have Ruach HaKodesh. And... Um, we can't know for sure. But on the other hand, we can't just say that. We can't. It's not honest. And it's not truthful. Imagine if you saw somebody, they died of a heart attack. And you know, every single night, oh, sure, tell me a good, uh, uh, nah, don't, it's Lashon Har. Tell me, remember the, um, uh, a guy, you know, this guy who died of a heart attack, every single night he went to a certain restaurant. He had a double burger with, with fried pastrami, two things of French fries, onion rings, and fried chicken. And that's what he ate for, for lunch and dinner every single night. And then after three years of that menu, the guy died of a heart attack. So Avada, nobody in their right mind would have the chutzpah or the insensitivity to say at the Levaya, you know, the guy died out of a heart attack. No kidding. The guy is ingesting, you know, fried food for three years. What do you think is going to happen? But for that guy's brother and son to go back to that restaurant and continue that diet, they got to be out of their mind. What do you mean? We don't know why it happened. You're right. We don't know. You never know why anything happens. But you also can't be a fool. Can't be a fool. I want to tell you something. Give me a call. Uh, yeah, we believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I don't want you to say that. You know that? Rebbe Hashem says, I don't want you to say that. That's a cop-out. I run the world. The Rebbe Hashem tells Kal Yisrael, You know what? I'm the rider of the horse. I run this world. And you guys are the horse. But you're not like any other horse. You're like the horses of Paro's chariots. Remember the horses of Paro's chariots? The horses of Paro's chariots... It looked like Paro was riding the horse, but Paro wasn't riding the horse. The horses ran headlong into the sea, and Paro was like, no, don't go in. The water's crashing down. But Paro didn't run, ride the horse. Paro was just a puppet. Says Riban Shalom, it looks like I run the world. It looks like I brought COVID. It looks like it. 
It looks like I brought Miron. It looks like I brought that tragedy in Stalin. It looks like I created anti-Semitism. Are you kidding me? You did it. I'm the rider, but you guys are the horse. And you're not like any horse. You're like the horses of Paris chariots. Says Uchaim When the economy is strong and there's peace and there's security and there's safety, we did it. You know why we did it? Because we go to shul and we don't bring our phones in and we don't talk by davening, and we listen carefully to Chazor Sashatz, and we come home, and we speak to our spouses, and we speak to our children, and when we do what we need to do, then we bring God to guide the world peacefully and successfully. And when we go into Shul, and we defile and defame by bringing in cell phones, by interrupting davening every three seconds, by talking by the davening, by speaking Lashon Hara about, oh, that that group in Klal Yisrael, that rabbi, oh, he went to that yeshiva, no wonder what. By speaking Lashon Hara, we bring tragedy to the Jewish people. So on the one hand, we have no right to say that it's because cell phones these things are happening. It's because people talk by dominating these things happen. It's because of Tzniyos these things happen. We have no right to say that. But we also have no right not to think that and not to really understand BMS. There, are you kidding me? Why these things are happening? Of course, we know the probable causes. I mean, it's not rocket science. Yeah, if, if everything in society, if everything in Judaism was kedeboi, was proper, was kehalacha, then we could say, I'm going to end off with one thing. You know, at the end of Masech Desoita, it ends off, it gives a whole laundry list of things. It says, um, <clears throat> it says, Bikfus of the Mashiach, and there'll be inflation, and the houses of Torah will turn into houses of ill repute. We have no one to rely on but the Almighty. And we all like to think that's a, that's, we're ending on a happy note. Even though there'll be terrible, terrible things in the end of days, but nevertheless, at least we could rely on Hashem. Asr B'chanon Vasserman, I believe he was an Orthodox rabbi, yeah? Asr B'chanon, Rabbi Chanon says, why is the Mishnah ad- ending on a good note? This is not the last Mishnah in Saita. There's another Mishnah after that in Saita. Why is the Mishnah ending on a good note? Says Rabbi Chanon, it's not a good note. It's the biggest klala of all. You know what the biggest klala of all? The biggest klala of all is in the end of days, there'll be COVID, and there'll be Mehron, and there'll be anti-Semitism, and Jews will say, we don't know why it's happening. We have no one to rely on, but the Rebbeinah Shalaylam. That's the Klala. We do know why it's happening. It's happening because of us. Why exactly? Not a good idea to say exactly. We don't have the right. We don't have the authority. We don't know for sure. But we also don't have the right to ignore the obvious and to be foolish when we see obvious things that could be corrected then we don't know exactly why but we know we better correct them fast and the Ribbon greatly prefers that we do that and he bestow on us rak shefa bracha and that is my humble bracha that um Shem should grant us all siyata deshmaya to put away those things in our life that are disconnecting us from Hashem. And to be able to, you know, somebody asked Usher, somebody asked a question, 
you know, I have to talk by davening. Should I come? No. No, shouldn't come. Shouldn't come. You can't. Paiskum say you can't. But you know what you should do? You should come the first week for 10 minutes without talking. And then when you're, you reach your capacity and you reach your max, don't go in the hallway. Don't stand out of the shul. You go home. That's what you did this week. You did the best you can. And then the next week you come for 12 minutes. And then soon you're going to be there for the whole davening. And you're going to be the one who's going to cry out to Ivan Shalom to bring the Mashiach. And we're going to give you the big Yashir Koyach that you did the job. So Ivan Shalom should give us all chizok and siyata deshmaya. And Mika Amcha Yisrael, who late at night on a Sunday evening comes together to discuss, you know, while the Umay Sa'ilam, they have mamish, you know, be Yisoydam, we bar Hashem. For us, it's just little, little band-aids, little corrections. Ivan Shalom should uh, help us be Mesake in the final tikkunim. And we should be zoichet to the Baruch uh, HaVatzacha that we all are hoping for. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's it. I was going to go to closing. If you, if you, if you close already, it's fine. But Menachem was going to say something. Yeah, yeah sure. Another, another physics story before you leave. It's also good. We want to, you have so much knowledge. You can talk for hours. I know that. I mean, you spoke probably for about a billion hours already. So, uh, <laughs> so okay, let's go to closing. First of all, Daniel Blast, for coming here tonight, giving so much chizik. And listen, you know, being blunt is not easy. Let's, let's you know, everybody's texting mm-hmm. me. Remember, Glastin's blunt. That's what he is. They, it's straight up. What? People like it. Right. You have to, you have to, let's get real. That's the name of the share. Again, for anybody who came the first time, every Sunday night, 10 o'clock, the Zoom share. We have many Rabbanim, therapists, and very important topics. Please spread the word to come every, uh, every Sunday night. Tonight's share, again, was sponsored by Recovery at Crossroads. Recovery at Crossroads is the only co- <laughs> inpatient treatment center in the tri-state area. They are a licensed co-occurring treatment facility, which means they are licensed to not only treat substance abuse, but also any other underlying mental conditions such as anxiety, depression, or trauma. If anyone you know is struggling with addiction, feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950. And I said at the beginning of the program, we're working on a very big addiction program. So if you know anybody about this, uh, we'll be in touch with that. This Thursday, we're having part two of our divorce series with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. It's called Life After Divorce for people that are divorced and move on. And not, not about bad marriages. It's already, you know, post-marriage. Yeah. yeah. And it's part two. And uh, please join us Thursday night at 10 o'clock. If you know anybody that is divorced or going through that pressure, please let them know about it. Next Sunday, 6-6, six, six, uh, we are going to have a share. We are merely confirming the details, but um, we do not want to announce it yet because it's not 100% confirmed. Our Noyach Frieda, again, it's the responsibility is on you. So we're expecting the best share ever. That, almost as good as Rabbi Gladstein. Everything here is recorded. It's going to be on MenachemBernfeld.com. If anybody has any questions, please email CoachMenachem at gmail.com. Rabbi Gladstein, a few people are texting. If there's any email or any way to contact you, tell, tell us website just tell us a little information about you okay thank you very much by the way i see one question is there any problem with having more than one rebbe uh, if i could just have a very very briefly i'm sorry the answer is in halacha one should try to you know have one uh, unified approach but in terms of learning there's nothing wrong with learning from many people you know some some rabbonin you can learn emuna some bitachin some lambda some okay lamaisa um Thank you, Rav Asher. If anybody enjoyed today's shir, um, most of my shirim are, um, are, not, <laughs> are are on very interesting topics, not like uh, Divrei Musar. And uh, you could go to our website. You have it behind me, rabbidg.com. We have a live shirim every single day. Um, we have a shirim on very interesting subjects on the parsha. For example, last week we discussed the stira between the Rishonim's account of the Menorah 
and the menorah that appears on the Arch of Titus. So sometimes we talk about historical episodes, sometimes scientific episodes, sometimes lamdos, sometimes uh, all kinds of uh, subjects. We are Chumash, Ramban, Moser, Hashkafa, Pneumius, Hasidus, uh, Mystical, um, and uh, you could check out rabbidg.com. Also, we do uh, trips to Mekonis HaKadoshim. So uh, it's an honor to, to, to be together with such a chashiva oilam. Thank you, Menachem. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Rabbi Asher. I want to tell you two things, Rabbi Glastin, one second. Sure. Well, if a few people are texting, just let you know, Rabbi Glastin, they, they, I'm just going to read it to you because it's so important. One person says, blunt equals MS. Please clarify, that's a good thing. Another person says, Rabbi Glastin says, thank you for being brave enough to speak the truth. That's not so popular. Okay, I just wanted to finish one other thing. The tonight's share is number 56. Anybody wants to hear it on the phone, it's going to be on 848-777-GROW, G-R-O-W. I want to thank all the advertising sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Chazak, Rabbi Yaniv, and Chayla Kaufman, Shul Summer from JCN. Coach Menachem, you want to give the closing words? And Rabbi Glassin, if you have any chizik or story to end off with, that'll be great. Coach Menachem. Thank you very much, Rabbi Glassin. I know many people got chizik and they loved tonight's... Uh, episode and then there are some that it's very hard to swallow obviously we come straight at them they you don't like the, the way um it's going to take time but back to the discussion the main discussion tonight about yes connected not connected to do something with closed eyes yes we are and many of us daven and learn and we hope that we're doing the right thing but to do it without understanding without knowledge uh, we will feel disconnected. How long can it last if you don't feel one, what I'm doing? And tonight we did hear a lot of bits and pieces of a little bit of the knowledge to understand what Sukkot Zimra is and what we're doing so that when you actually do it, you feel you know what you're doing. So to find a safer. Yes, Musa is important. I'm not, I'm not talking about Musa. I'm talking about just to understand what am I doing with davening? So you can find a safer in davening a chavrusa, or whatever it is, so that we can start from fresh, even though we've done this for years, but let's figure this out. What's Pesukah Zimra? Why am I doing it? So we understand. And then when we do it slowly, but surely, we can uh, feel connected or believe connected, whatever it is. Hashem should give us all koyach, whatever we need to open our eyes, to do the right thing. And amidst Hashem, we should all grow. And that's the main thing. Hashem should have Nachas from us, and yes, the Ikhs of the Mashiach, there's a lot going on, and uh, all we have to do is our part. Rabbi Nachum, yes. Um, I have a very good friend who reminded me in a message, Rabbi Chaim Bieberfeld. He reminded me of something that I wanted to say, if, I, if that's okay. Rabbi Chaim, thank you very much. Sure. I, I have a, I have a Hilagazeda. You're closing. Yeah, I have a Hilagazeda. My Zeda just it, passed away at 100 and almost six years old. And uh, he was in all the dark places. He was in Auschwitz. In fact, uh, one year for, on Pesach, a Yid came into the shul. His name was Mayor Lachman. And he turns to me, he says, you know, you're Zayda, he knows how to daven. He knows how to daven. So, of course he knows how to daven. He's, he was a rabbi. He, was a he said, no, let me tell you, he knows how to daven. When he was in Auschwitz, he would daven from the Tehillim the whole day. The Nazi would come, they would club him over the head. He would fall unconscious. And then when he would gather himself together hours later, when he would wake up, he would continue right where he was up to. That's what I mean, he knew how to daven. So I had this chus to see people who 
they were they were just misdabek to Hakadosh Baruch Hu for for a hundred and six years consecutively. No matter where where it was, he could have been in the death camps. He could have been in Flatbush. He lived with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's that's what our goal is to to feel the closeness, the love. If I could just end off a one ha'aran davening, you know, right before we start to an essay, we say Tzor Yisrael, Kumab Yisras Yisrael. Why Yisrael five times? Says the Seder Rishonim, the Seder Amanig. In this week's parasha Bahaloischa, we just read the Etnos Halavim. I took the Levim, and I took them from among the Bnei Yisrael, the Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael five times. Rashi says, why does say Bnei Yisrael five times? To teach that Hashem loves a Jew, loves a Yid, like Chamishe Chum Sheitayra. Says the Sefer Hamanig. Therefore, right before Shemana Esrei, the Anche Knesses Hagdoila incorporated into the Tefillah five times Yisrael. So even before you begin to daven, that before you begin Shemana Esrei, the message is Yisrael, 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 Yisrael. You want to feel connected before you daven. Recognize the the Rebbeinu Shemul loves you more than anything in this world. You know what's the greatest love in this world? Their husband and wife, parent to child. Chavetz Chaim says the greatest love in this world is a person's love for themselves. But even more than a person loves themselves, the Rebbeinu Shem loves me and he loves you. And that's the Hakdama to our tefillah. Sor Yisrael, Kuma Yisrael, Yisrael. So we have to have the combination of you follow the, the rules, the regulations, and then you're able to be elevated by the great feelings of Ava, Yira, Tevekos, Roimimus. And that's the dynamic duo of Halacha, Machshava. And with that, uh, we're Zoycha to enter the Kaidash HaKadoshim and be connected to Yvonne Thank you so much. See everybody Thursday night, 10 o'clock, and next week, Sunday night, same time, same place. Every glad to see you. Thank okay. you so, so much. Good night, good night, good night.